Hello, you're here with another Abiding Life Studios. I am Noah Wells, and I'm here today with Betty Wells. Hi. And today we're going to talk a little bit about grief. I just have a couple of things to say by way of introduction. As you know, Noah and I have plenty to say about grief. (laughs) But to me, what I've always said is grief is a real drag, but it has to be done. I don't think anyone enjoys that, but it's an important process to go through, and that's how God created us. And then, secondly, for those of you who knew Mike, uh, you'll know that he's been gone for six years now, and I still can't go back and read cards that were sent to me at that time or think about certain scenes because it stirs up how I felt then. The emotions come right back, and... I don't want to have those emotions again. They were very heavy, and I was weighed down with them, and they're, you know, it is better now, so. Yeah, you've gone so far now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we thought we would do today is we, we want to read the letters that Mike wrote to families who lost a loved one, and... I'm just going to be reading excerpts. And then we'll talk about it. Yes, yeah. we'll have things to say about it, no doubt. Yeah, that'll be good. It's little snippets and excer- excerpts, and the first one I thought was very interesting. He just said, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And again, <laughs> that ties right in to the fact that it's such a drag to grieve, and uh, we all do long for the Lord to come and get us out of this place where we have loss and pain like that. Yeah, because we're the ones that have to stay here, and they get to go off to home. Exactly. The second excerpt is one that any of you have listened much to Mike at all will know, where he said, the first year the grief stands on you, the next year it will walk beside you, and the third year you will stand on it. But it will never leave completely, for grief keeps the one we love alive in our hearts. And I think Both are a good point, not that there is a specified timeline to say that that's going to be just absolute for every person going through it, but I think many people would agree that that is a pretty good gauge of how grief goes. And I like the point that the loved one is always alive in our hearts. Yes. All right, the next excerpt, Mike said, there is the indisputable fact that every lost relationship is something very unique. So it can be a study in frustration for the grieving to try to explain their feelings. Others probably won't get it. No one should ever tell you how you should grieve. I believe God sanctions all expressions of grief, be they anger, tears, withdrawal, and more. All are acceptable to the Lord. We are made in His image, and His emotions are multifaceted. He feels more than one thing at a time. At this very moment, he is angry, ready to split the skies open. And yet at the same time, he is also showing love and compassion to the lowliest. We, like him, can have peace, joy, sorrow, expectation, hope, and anger at the same time. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I was, you know, I grieved for a very long time just in the, I could never cry for him. So for me, it was, I don't know, people kept trying to tell me that, hey, you need to go and watch a sad movie or go to his uh, gravesite and talk to him there. So 
Of course, I did that. I went to his gravesite and sat down and really just talked it out and kept talking, kept talking. That went for about 15, 20 minutes, and then I started laughing and said to myself, he's not even here. What am I doing? Amen. So, you know, I left, and I think uh, every person's grieving is different. And for me, I just, uh, I could never cry, but... I will say this, that last thing you said about anger, I was very angry at God for probably a good eight months, I would say. Well, and that is a normal stage of grief. I don't know if eight months is normal, but again, (laughs) no one can tell you what's normal for you. Yeah. Anger is a valid stage of grief. Yeah. And it's in his timing when he'll finally show me when, you know, the big picture of stop holding that. And as we see him in all things and yield to him in all things, that's one of the things. How how we grieve is really between us and the Lord. Yeah. Would you say for you it was about the same? Like it was a year where it was stood over you, and then second year it was next to you? Yes. That first year, every month was different. But uh, the second year, you know, month by month I was getting better. But I didn't notice a big change until three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it was a big change, probably four, four and a half. Then I started feeling like myself again. Yes. I have to say at five years, I noticed another big change. Yeah. And I'm sure you can relate with this is you don't remember a lot of stuff that was going on when you were grieving. I can't, like people say they said, saw me or you know, I had this conversation with someone and I have no clue about it. Mm-hmm. I still to this day cannot think of even the people that came to the funeral. I mean, we've had this talk before where people say, hey, we saw you at the funeral. Oh, OK. We don't remember any of that. No, but that's life. Yeah, that's grief. <laughs> that is part of it. It absolutely is part of it. Yeah. You're just numb. All right. What else you got? I've got another excerpt starts with Revelations 21, 3. There will be no more mourning, crying, or pain in heaven. Many quote this passage to encourage us to continue on, but I do not see it that way. I read it like this. I only have a short time as a human being on the fallen earth to learn what God can be to me in my mourning, crying, and pain. I am learning things about God that angels in heaven will never know. For it was in my mourning that I found the God of all comfort. It was in my crying I discovered the God who, in empathy, would bend down, wipe my tears away, and set me on my feet again. End of quote. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I don't think any of us would get through grief if we didn't experience God actually filling in caverns in our heart and comforting us like no one else can comfort us. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would go to Pa, Mike Wells, um, for anything. And I wasn't going to God. And I think that was the biggest thing for me when he passed away was, oh, I do have a live God yes. that lives in me that I can go to. And, you know, I think, you know, the good that came out of that with him dying was me noticing I have a God and I'm going to go to him instead of just always going to a man. Yes, and I think it was probably a crash course for a lot of people in learning that very thing, yeah. to go to God. I would say so, because Mike Wells had such a good, you know, um, what would you call that, a direct line <laughs> to God. So, you know, you get an answer right away. 
Yes, we enjoyed going to him. Mm -hmm. But then when you have to do it yourself, you're like, ooh, should I do it or not? And then it works out, but it's, it's scary to do it at first. Absolutely. He's there for us. Yeah. Okay, another thing Mike wrote was actually to a grieving person. He said, your concept of God and faith in him is getting ready to explode, and you will need this expansion for events yet to come. And that's pretty much what we were just now talking about. The Lord does move in and step in, and it's a wonderful and beautiful thing. But just like in every experience of life, God is preparing us through those things for what's ahead, and grief mm -hmm. is no different. Yeah. Yeah, so you're saying God prepares us for a loved one to die or anything really in life. Yes, well, yes, I believe he does prepare us even for our own death ahead of time. I've always believed that. Yeah. But he uses events like grief to prepare us in certain ways for whatever's ahead because I think every single thing in our life he's using to prepare us for what's ahead. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Okay, this next one was written to the family of a murder victim. So it'll sound a little weird, but it, it, to me it applies to someone who died from accident or disease as well. So Mike wrote, It is important to remember the fact of death and not the means of death. In Psalm 139, we are told that our days are numbered by God, not man. Until our days are over, we are indestructible. God only permits us to exit on the perfect day and will use the means of death, which must come, to either bless or curse. If the man who did this repents because of it and turns to Christ, the means will have blessed him. But if he hardens his heart and continues on, the means will be a curse to him. There is no waste in God. He uses every little bit. This man thinks he took your brother's life, but he is not God. God permitted him to be the means of how your brother exited earth and entered into God's presence. Men do not and never will have that kind of power given to them. So that... Yeah, I mean, it seems like we all get hung up on the death. I find it happens a lot. And I feel like this is what Jesus was alluding to when he said in Luke twelve four, Do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. I think he's telling us right there that man doesn't have as much power over us as we sometimes believe. Right. Okay, onward. Mike wrote, It is true that blessed in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. We were born to die. Our days are numbered. And therefore, the manner or time of death cannot be the issue. I recently got a letter from someone dying from AIDS and asserting, See how death is coming as the wages of my sin? I immediately wrote back, Before you go down the tubes, I want to remind you that death will come as the wages of my sin, too. All of us will die because of sin. Neither the type of death nor one's age at the time of death is the issue. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So is, is he talking in there because we're born into sin? Is that what he's saying there? Yes, I think it brings up the issues that this is truth because Romans 12 tells us, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world 
and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Death did spread to all men by our sin. Right. Mike's point again is that even if death came directly because of our behavior, our stupidity, our yielding to sin, an avoidable disease, alcoholism, drug overdose, or anything like that, we still are not to get hung up on the means of death as opposed to the fact of death. There is no premature death because God is sovereign and knew the moment a person would die before the person was conceived in the womb. I like the way it sounds. It's just, it's so hard for all of us to still accept it. Yes. The death, you know? Well, yes, there are heavenly truths and we're living down here with our eyeballs fixed on what we see around us. And so sometimes it is so easy to get our eyes fixed on the means and we start yeah. Moving into bitterness or, yeah. you know, anger. Yeah. It's just Depression. normal human stuff. But yeah. the thing is, we can rise above normal human stuff when we realize the truth that it was the person's time to die. Right. And when do you think, when do you think if, uh, when someone dies, when do you think someone could actually hear that and actually accept it into their heart? Do you think it would, it would take a couple of weeks just because of the shock? Of someone dying? I think it absolutely depends on the person and on their walk with the Lord. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. So moving on, Mike wrote another thing in a letter. He wrote, When I considered death, my honest and heartfelt question to the Lord was, Why would you create us in such a way that we would bond to others deeply, only to have them ripped away from us in death? What are we to do with the vacuum left? Mike said, I wanted an answer, but discovered that there is not one. There's only an option, avoiding grief by never bonding. Hmm. I have been to a place in Africa where on average four children will die before one lives. By the time the fifth child comes, many mothers have developed an attachment disorder, refusing to bond to the living child for fear of suffering another loss. The mother becomes distorted as does the emotionally abandoned child. The option to grief, then, is to become a distortion. We are made in the image of God. He is bonded to us and suffers for it. It was never nails that held Jesus to the cross, but love. When we decide to love, bond, we build ourselves a cross, and the one we love, the one to whom we are bonded, will one day hang us on it. Unpleasant? Yes, but not as unpleasant as the alternative of being so distorted and never bonding. The only other option to suffering at the loss of one we love is never to love, and that is a cost too high to pay. Yeah, I know for me, I'm excited to get to heaven so I can see all my friends and family and loved ones. That's what I am looking forward to, and I would have never known that unless I had a bond here with them. Yes, absolutely. And that bond is also what keeps them alive in our hearts. Yeah. We know we're never going to forget them or live as if we never knew them. Yeah. They've affected us in ways that are never going to die. But Mike had another example. Mm-hmm. He gave us an example of that. And he said, I recently returned from Canada where a woman told of her 15-year-old son's coming to Christ in January 
only to be killed in what appeared to be an avoidable accident with a school bus and a truck in March. Why, was her obvious question. You would understand just how undone she was. However, there is no answer that satisfies, for we would have to know the mind of God, and the finite will not understand the infinite. Anyway, Mike says, knowing isn't all it's cracked up to be. We do not know, but we have faith that his timing is impeccable. I could only present her with an option. Would you be willing to trade the 15 years you had with your son, watching him grow up, playing with him, and even arguing with him, for the grief and pain you are experiencing today? Would you trade the emotion of bonding for this present suffering? She thought and said, no way. I finally understood what she said next, something I had heard many times. She said, I would rather love than not to have loved at all. And I would rather that he lived and was loved than to have lived and never been loved by me. So Mike says, life, we are told, is all about attitude. But I am discovering that so also is death. I see now that we must suffer from the death of a loved one, but it's worth it for the scales are tipped in favor of love and bonding. And it's a perfect thing where God holds you when you're going through that. Again, you know. You know, it's a perfect opportunity for him to, for you to let, to choose him. Yes. And he created us to bond and love. And he's so pleased with our loving. So we just would be so poor if we didn't love others. Yeah, absolutely. It's well worth it, I think. Yes, the suffering is worth it. Yeah, it is. His next excerpt begins with a quote from Ecclesiastes 3, 19 and 20. For the fate of the sons of men and the fate of the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath. All go to the same place. All came from the dust and all returned to the dust. And Mike wrote, more and more I am confused when listening to believers and unbelievers when it comes to the topic of death, because so often I hear, how can I believe in a God that permits death? We must all stop and think about life and include death in our worldview. Every single creature and person will die. Even Jesus died. The history of mankind reveals the ongoing cycle of birth and death. I wonder if people would be more willing to believe in God if no one died. I guess not. Adam and Eve chose not to believe God before there was death. Death is the world's excuse to reject God, get mad at God, accuse God, and walk away from God. We must settle that part of life is death. Once we do that, life will be seen for what it is, a school course into which we are enrolled at birth and from which we graduate at death. Some have had the accelerated course, Some did not need to take the same classes that others did, and yet all finished. The fact is that we were born to die. And as we look around, do we really want an eternal extension of what life on earth has been? Do I really want eons and eons of the nightly news, of bodily aches and pains, or of government control? The world so exercises its influences and control over me that it is nice to finally cheat it by leaving. If we have a worldview of life that includes the absolute of death, we can see that those we love have walked with God, and God has taken them out of the world, the flesh, and the sickness that would otherwise dominate them for eternity. 
And referring back to the one sentence in the middle here, where he said, death is the world's excuse to reject God, get mad at God, accuse God, and walk away from God. Uh, The argument against God has no validity in light of the truth that's in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 25 and 26 says, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. And that occurs soon, we hope. In Revelations 20, 14, where death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. Death is an enemy of God's also. Mm. It's not that God loves this death thing, but death entered, as we said before, death entered the world through our sin. And so for now, it's what has to be, but it won't always be that way. He can't wait to throw that death into the lake of fire. Yeah, I guess I just never thought about the uh, Adam and Eve, you know, they chose that. And so that's what brought in death. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Death entered with sin. And yeah, and the other thing I I was just thinking when you're reading that was God didn't make this world to last forever. Amen. So... We're not meant to last forever. No. You know, you can already see around the world it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's good. Mm-hmm. It's you know, the way. Yeah, it's the way we need the to way go. for now. All right, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back for the round two. Okay. All right. <laughs> 